This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. Have you seen that they've brought the breakfast wrap back? Oh, have they? Yeah, they have. I can't wait to get my hands on one. I don't doubt it, mate. I'm looking forward to trying their cheesy bacon flatbread. Oh, you saw. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. On this week's show, we discuss back-to-back 1-0 victories over Wickham and Cambridge before talking to a Lincoln fan. Welcome to Boroughpod. Hi Pat. Hi Greg, how are you doing mate? Not bad mate, can't complain. I mean it's been, even though it's kind of have felt, in a, in a weird sense, not like a normal week in terms of, you know, we've, we've had two games at home that we sat there and said last week we need to get six points from and we've got six points, so we can't really complain can we? No, it's feeling pretty good. I'm a little bit worried about... Nate being off on paternity leave and having a lot of time lying down, being a big daddy pillow and coming up with ways to give us a lot of homework to do in between uh, weeks. But, uh, you know, it's going to be good to uh, talk through the last couple of games and uh, dissect them a little bit. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely slacking. Um, I don't care how many kids you've got. I'm like, come on. Jeez, you run this show. You're leaving it to us amateurs. What's going on? Um <laughs> Let's get let's get into it because we've we've got a pretty busy busy show. We've got uh, Charlie, who's a Lincoln fan, coming on a bit later, and we'll uh, chat to him about the upcoming game on Saturday. But I guess we should probably start with last Saturday. Feels ages ago now, actually. Probably I think yes. that Cambridge Cambridge game felt so long. Um, but Wickham, interesting game. Uh, it was one of those ones where at times I didn't think we were gonna. We were going to see it through, but luckily, luckily, got over it in the end. Um, let's just start with team news. It was a few surprises in there. wasn't expecting, uh, certainly wasn't expecting McDonald to be playing. I think in the middle of the midfield. Um, but let's let's have a look at the team news then. So Tay in goal. Uh, we had no Luther Wild in at right back, so. TVC in once again at right back with uh, Sweeney and Piagiani and then Dan Butler and Forster Kasky, Louis Thompson, Alex McDonald, Jordan Roberts and Kane Hemmings with no Jamie Reed as well. So a few few surprises in there. A few surprises at the start when we went to, we started off with three slash five at the back um, before that was very quickly moved back into the diamond. But um, yeah, team team choice wise, what was your thoughts, Pat? It did take me by surprise. Uh, I was chatting to someone on the terrace about it Tuesday night, and they were saying, "Well, um, Reed and 
wild in missed time in training. And there's a club policy that if you miss training the two games before the game, you don't start, you don't make the bench necessarily, and you're rested and ready for the next one. So with that in mind, that's why we saw some of the changes that we saw, I think. And it proved with the benefit of hindsight to have been the right choice because he took the risk dropping the top scorer. He took the risk making changes at, uh, you know, slightly suboptimal right backs and still came away with three points and the players refreshed to come in on uh, Tuesday night and help us out with the quick turnaround. So it led to a somewhat stodgy game, I think. It felt like an arm wrestle between two mid-table sides in not particularly good form. Um, I was at home feeling ill and sorry for myself and listened to it on the radio rather than on the terrace in this one. So it was a, a game where Stephen Dean had a lot of time to chat about other things while uh, <laughs> the game ebbed and flowed. There wasn't a lot of goal mouth action, which, uh, you know... It's probably a, a slight disappointment to them, given that they played against 10 men for so long that they weren't able to create mm. more goal-scoring opportunities, I think. Yeah, let's just quickly go through the stats. Um, so we, we shaded possession, uh, 52 to 48. Um, that's probably largely down because the ball was out of play for so much of the game. <laughs> just qualifying it as a, let's just go as close to 50-50 as you can, I guess. But we had uh, 11 shots, um, which of which five were off target. Um, didn't really test the keeper too much. There's a couple of instances when after we'll, we'll get to the red card in a minute, but when they did go down to 10 men, um, they brought on their, their sub keeper. I want to say his name was Ravioli or something like that. Um, yeah. he, uh, and, and he looked like he'd never played football in his life, to be honest with you for the first 10, 15 minutes. It's nearly spilt one into the back of the net from a pretty weak pitch head, header. Um, but it was a game that was, it was definitely, and this kind of, is nailed down in the stats as well, was just full of fouls and full of free kicks and set pieces were were, were a really important part of uh, of the game. Like we know it's a strength for us and I think it's a strength for Wickham as well. And it kind of felt like it was suiting both teams in a weird sense, just being broken up constantly. So we um, we had eight, eight corners to their two. Uh, we also had 15 free kicks to their eight. Um, and bearing in mind, it was a Darren Drysdale refereeing performance, probably mm-hmm. the best I've ever seen of him. Um, interesting one there. Um, but yeah, I, I, it was one of those ones that we got the breakthrough through if Jamie Reed's not available, who are you going to go to next? Uh, Carl Piagione. Um We got the breakthrough. It was a pretty well-worked goal, an assist from, from Sweeney. And then I, I kind of just expected, ah, we'll probably blow them away now. Not necessarily going to win 4-5-0, but I was thinking we'll nick another one at some point and we'll win it quite comfortably. But as the game went on, and especially after the red card, there was a we'll get we'll get to the foul in a second, but after the red card, it just felt like the the tide turned. It was almost like we were we, we didn't want to kind of push for the second goal. We kind of hedged our bets on we can hold on to this, which is quite ballsy from a Stevenish team that can't hold leads particularly well uh, this season. Um and we just they just piled pressure on us for, for large periods. As much as pressure they 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 piled on, I can't think of a single save that Taya to make. Yeah, I, I never felt seriously seriously worried by a chance that they were creating. But you're right; there did feel a period where you're just thinking, 
which team's got ten here and can yeah. we re-establish a bit of possession and um, territory just to take the pressure off a little bit because the more you leave them with those sorts of opportunities at only one nil up, the more risk you leave yourself at. And it just felt like we needed a little bit more to give ourselves that extra level of comfort, which in the end didn't matter, but it would have made the last half hour feel a lot more comfortable, I'm sure. It's um, yeah. not often you see a goal that goes left back, centre back, or centre back <laughs> takes a couple of touches, first centre back kicks it in the court from the uh, edge of the area on his left foot. It's, uh, yeah. I don't know whether that makes it cultured or whether that makes it lucky, but I'll take it either way. I mean, it definitely uh, is a classic Stevenage goal in that regard. It kind of felt like that. It was, um, yeah, we talk, we're talking about the team team choice. I mean, there was a few surprises. I mentioned Alex McDonald coming in, um, who, I, who I thought was didn't really put a foot wrong. thought he actually was... Decent, solid performance. Yeah, really good performance. But I actually want to give a, a shout-out, and I'll do this for probably both games, in fairness. Um, Louis Thompson, I, I think, just covered every blade of, of grass on <laughs> at the Lamex on Saturday in particular. Um, he was excellent out there. Yeah. One of those players that I, I, I just can't see him being dropped out anytime soon. I mean, unless he gets injured or... Or needs a rest desperately. He just—he's number one of the one of the first on the team sheet for me at the moment. It's a luxury we have at the moment that in that position we are very strong, and it's a position that you need to be strong in in this league. So you're right. He gets through a lot of unheralded breaking up the play sort of work, and he's reliable in terms of delivering to people and getting the ball into useful places once he's got it and nicked it. So he's he's exactly the sort of character you need in that midfield and I'm glad we're starting to see him coming back into full fitness and form and establishing himself as a first eleven player on the regular Let's talk about the red card um, it was obviously a big moment in the game um, happened quite early in the in the second half I mean the, the keeper couldn't have looked more more guilty, uh, he knew what was coming really as soon as clumsy. It was it was incredible. I actually so from the view I had in the north, it looked a lot worse um, than it did from from when I watched it back on from the view in the east. Like he 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 looked like he'd fully committed to it and had just completely taken him out, and that's how we I viewed it from the north. But watching it back, it was almost like he he almost tried to duck out of it. He he realised he'd gone too far and he was never going to get the ball, and he tried to tried to kind of move out of the way and try and by that point he'd already collided and yeah. I don't think there was any any choice whatsoever. The interesting part of, of this red card though is they put it down a serious foul play so he's out for three games which did surprise me I have to say. Yeah that's harsh because he missed the ball entirely and, and hit Robert's right leg knocking him down as he would have gone through and tapped the ball into an empty net. So it's denying a goal scoring opportunity but I don't think it was really deliberate as much as it was clumsy and inaccurate and mistimed and it certainly wasn't like maliciously trying to hurt a guy it was just a guy made, trying to make a tackle who doesn't normally have to try and make tackles and uh, we had a bit of that on Tuesday night as well yeah absolutely but I'm never going to complain about beating Wickham especially after what we've witnessed this week in social media world um, oh the league won uh, Barcelona apparently so absolutely. Uh, really well to take six points from this season yeah, I mean, it's borderline miracle that we've taken six points from them this season. Um, 
both games were were quite close. I think both have been one goal for each, but uh, they 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 kind of surprised me. I was I was I was quite surprised with their lineup first and foremost. I think they made some early changes. And they took off, I think, Longwick after he'd been booked, which was probably a smart idea because you don't want to give Darren Drysdale any excuse to send a player off. He'll, he'll definitely jump on that if you give him a chance. <laughs> um, and, and they kind of changed things up tactically after, I think, as Vincent Young went down injured. Um, but they just they just looked... I, I know they just had a tough cup game in the week against Bradford on a pretty boggy pitch, which if you've ever tried to play on those types of pitches, I'm sure it takes a lot out of you. But oh, yeah. It just didn't really look like they they had. Like, I say, I just can't think of a, a single opportunity that they had that Tay was called into action. It was a lot of pressure, a lot of balls in the box, which is ironic for a team that play the football that supposedly Wickham do. Um, Sam Vokes came on, and uh, as soon as he came on, I was thinking this is made for him to go and beat Pidge to a header. But I just realised Pidge doesn't get lose headers, so it was never going to happen. But it was, it was, yeah, it was just one of those games that. What differed to to Tuesday, if we take a slight step change to the Cambridge game, is I felt more on edge last night on Tuesday night for the Cambridge game than I did at any point on Saturday. Even when they were piling the pressure on, I kind of just felt like they didn't have it in them to go and score a goal. They had some opportunities, but they just didn't really test us, whereas the Cambridge game felt very, very different. It felt like a goal could come at any point. There was definitely a nervier period against Cambridge, absolutely. Wickham felt like a side kind of going through the motions. And like, oh yeah, mm. they've had some bigger games recently, but they're so far off the playoffs, it's basically out of sight. And I was thinking they've got not a lot left to play for this season, but they're actually only eight points clear of the relegation zone. So, or maybe nine, actually. It's only three, no. So, <laughs> it's, yeah, that you, you can't afford to get into a big slump. They're not that far away that they're totally safe at this point. Granted, it would need a team like Cheltenham to suddenly pick up nine points in five games, which is unlikely. But you can't afford to get complacent when you're 14th because it's easy to get sucked in down if it's only mm. an eight-point gap back there. Um, so, yeah, they need to uh, sharpen up a little bit and look a bit more lively, I think, to uh, finish the season off. Kind of felt like with the squad that we can have... And they've got some good individuals in that squad. There's some good players in there. It's kind of surprising that they are mid to lower part of the table. Because I think personnel-wise, there's players in there that are very, very good League One players. But I agree with you. I think they, they it did kind of feel like they were going through the motions and he tried to change it up um, in the first half when, as I mentioned, Longwick and Vincent Young both got taken off. They brought on uh, Josh Scowan and, and Joe Lowe. Um, Joe Lowe took a took a bit of a thump from Jordan Roberts at, at that one point in that first half, which the only person who saw saw it and gave a decision was was about eighty yards away. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a bit late. I don't know if it was anywhere near as bad as uh, some of the Wickham fans were making out as it was, but. Um, and it was, but it was just one of those ones where you couldn't seem to quite get to grips enough with with us. And, and as soon as a red card happened, I think it was more a case that we went into our shell rather than sort of us trying to put the game to bed. And if if we had scored a second with twenty minutes to go, I would have no doubt whatsoever that probably would turn to a three or four nil win. But didn't really kind of go for that. 
we didn't make any any significant changes. I think there was a we brought on our first sub was in the eighty seventh minute, which is a yep. pretty much a seems to be a common occurrence for Steve Evans at the moment, and I'll talk about that a bit more with the Cambridge game. It, it has um, headed in that direction, hasn't it, for being more proactive earlier in the season? And you can kind of understand it when you've got a Tuesday night coming up. You just want to say, OK, let's see this one out and uh, get it over the line. And with Wickham not really posing that much of a goal threat, it proved to be the right choice and, uh, you know, yeah. live by your results, I guess. No, absolutely. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna shout out Nick Freeman again as well. I thought also another good, solid performance from him. He's someone who I've been quite highly critical of this year of, <laughs> as being Mr. Anonymous at times. He He's really fitted into this system nicely. He's, he's bringing out probably what what is the best in, in Nick Freeman. Yeah, I he's did, really turned around the perception of everyone. Yeah, I did fear for the worst when I originally saw him going and playing right wing back. Thinking, mm-hmm. God's sake, we're going to have a, another Maidstone situation or something like that. But uh, no, he's, he's definitely he put, in a, put in a pretty pretty decent shift. But... It wasn't wasn't comfortable, but it was uh, a very important three points after what was what was it three three defeats in four games, the slump of February as we've been through in previous years as well. Um, and that's all you can ask at the end of the day, right? Absolutely. Right. Let's get into let's get into the Cambridge game. Um, the fun one. Yeah, I mean. Two games that were remarkably similar in regards to obviously scoreline first and foremost, but um, also felt more nervy than it probably should have been. But also two completely different games when it comes to the to the football that was played. I thought we played some really really good football last night. I thought we were we were excellent at times, so um, especially in that in that first half. I said, I mean, people accuse us of being. Hoof merchants, direct, physical, whatever you want to call us. And we've got those parts to our game for sure. But there was times last night I thought we were absolutely excellent. Oh, agreed. And as Steve said in his interview with other uh, Steve after the game, that, um, oh, you know, it was t- two very similar games back to back. And I was like, I- I'm not sure I agree with that at all. Like the Wickham game was fairly boring and neither side really created many chances to score. And we ran out one of the winners. Cambridge first half, we penned them in and peppered them, and it was just brilliant to watch. Like, mm. and watching that sort of press be successful and them repeatedly picking balls up high up the pitch and uh, turn Cambridge around, get them on their heels and put them under pressure. It was great to watch, and the, the goal eventually came from Burns tackling a guy on the edge of his on, on the edge of his area. And Roberts picking up the ball as it squirted out of that tackle, turning on it and smashing it in from like, what, 19 yards out. So that's a, an indication of how far at the pitch the team was that our ostensibly defensive holding midfielder was making a tackle on the edge of the Cambridge area and setting up a goal from that tackle. And that set the tone for a game in which really Cambridge didn't create a goal scoring chance until like, the second minute of injury time in the first half when mm. they just clipped it forward from the halfway line down the middle in a loopy fashion and no one covered it and let Lancaster just have a free shot from the like penalty spot, which he scuffed straight at the keeper, which that's a guilt-edged chance to score and they'd be absolutely yeah. kicking themselves for losing 1-0 and having wasted a chance like that, having created very little for the rest of the half. Yeah, And, and you're right that 
there was a really nervy period second half when they got on top of us for 10, 20 minutes. It felt like half an hour, but I don't think it was that long. But suddenly they were attacking down both flanks and whipping in dangerous crosses and not able to convert any of them. And you think, are we going to pay for the profligacy of the control we had in the first half? But they re-established that control for the last quarter. So by the end of the game, I was like, that's a deserved win. It could have been a wider margin of victory. And we created all the better chances, which is all you can really ask for a, a home game against a side like Cambridge. Yeah, absolutely. So from, from a two news perspective, having Luther back, Jamie Reed back, I think both both those players are important to, to how we play. Um, I, I, as much as I love TVC, I said previously I'd be quite happy to never see him play right back again, and then he played on, <laughs> played on, played on Saturday. But there you go. Um, but having having Wilding back in, even though I don't think it was his probably his best game, he was probably carrying something, which is no surprise. Um, it was great to see him back in. Same with Reedy, real frustrating moment at one point in the second half when he could have laid the ball across to Hemmings, um, which frustrated the hell out of me at the time. But having him back in was huge. Finley Burns also back into the midfield, freshening up the midfield. Nick Freeman dropping out, McDonald dropping out. Um, obviously, Dan Sweeney also dropping out uh, with Lou for coming back in. It, it kind of felt like at this moment in time, if you were to pick, and we've, we've talked about this previously on previous pods and does Steve know his best team? Um, and we were like, nah, he, not sure. We, you know, not sure he does. He doesn't have that same team he did last year, where you kind of could predict it every week. Mm. This probably feels like if you if you have everyone fit and available, that's probably the starting eleven that you're that you're choosing if if everyone's available. It's certainly the way they played last night. Like I was really impressed with the work of Burns and Thompson in particular, mopping up so much of the Cambridge attack certainly first half, and Forstakowski was probably the worst of the three of them made a few mistakes but he also had some of the best touches he's got that kind of extra level of, of vision to to pick stuff out so you take the rough with the smooth in that regard mm. um yeah it was it was a performance that for the most part will see us really well for the rest of the season but that period where you let the opposition get on top and we were just unable to establish any possession, giving the ball away after a couple of touches repeatedly for 10, 20 minutes. If you do that against a team like Portsmouth, against a team like Peterborough, they'll put three past you and yeah. you'll be out of sight. So we got away with it that period in this game. We won't get away with it against the sides above us in the league. And that's what yeah. needs tidying up, I think, as much as anything. That and making the most of your own periods of dominance and not being quite so wasteful. And you're right. There was a couple of instances last night where Reed was a little bit too greedy and could have found teammates in more advantageous positions if he got his head up. Or I think for the Hemmings one, he clearly saw him and went, "Hey, you're a decoy, mate. I'm going to." <laughs> if you do that, you've got to force a difficult save at the very least, and he didn't do it on either occasion. So he'll be disappointed, and he'll he'll know. Yeah, I think the one thing you'll see with those those teams above you in the league is they're not going to have the bodies back in the box like Cambridge did. If you, there were so many opportunities that were, that were blocked. I think Forster Kasky had one that was blocked. He then also put one wide on his weaker foot, which yeah. everyone got excited about. But as soon as I saw it was on his right foot, I went, yeah, he's definitely not scoring this. Um, but it was, it was one of those ones where they, they, they kind of dug in and, and I, I think when they made some of the changes in that midpoint of the second half, they brought on, 
Uh, they took off Gibbons, who was the 26, who I thought was absolutely dreadful. Probably should have targeted him more during the game, to be honest. Uh, but I suppose as a fullback, when you're playing a diamond, you're not going to have the the width necessarily to uh, to really go and attack a fullback sometimes. But he was he was terrible. Um, but they took him off. They took off I think, Sully Kaikai and Adam May as well, and they brought on Brophy and Kachunga. And they, like you said, that period in the second half when they they had that wave of possession, um, it was it was awkward. It was an it was one of those. There was definitely more nervousness for me. It kind of felt like there was a goal coming, and luckily we we rode out the storm. Um, Finley Burns, this is turning into a conundrum for me. Um, I really thought the game was bypassing him last night at times. I didn't see and the work he did for the goal was very very good. I think, I mean, the whole goal you mentioned it earlier. There were several moments in in the build up to that goal where we just we just powered through them, beat them, and um, uh, and him winning possession in in that in that space to to lay it off to then Jordan. I think was a big moment. So you know, can credit him for that, but. There's times when he's out of possession where I kind of just feel like the game's going on around him and he can't quite get himself in. Uh, which for someone who's who's a defensive-minded player, you kind of think you know he needs to be winning that ball. It shouldn't be yeah. being, being played around him in that way. He's not. He's not the. He's not a player at the moment. If 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 I'm choosing a starting eleven, I don't think I'm. I'm. I'm probably bringing Freeman back in and, and putting Louis Thompson in that holding role. Rather than having Finley in there right now, he sat out for a couple of games in recent weeks as well. Obviously, we talked about the Derby game and the the fault for that he was at for the goal. He's yeah, he's one of those. He's a bit of a conundrum for me at the moment. I can't quite decide whether he should be in or should be out. But certainly after last night, I thought the game just completely bypassed him at times, which was really concerning. No, I think some of that's fair. I think of all the players in that starting eleven. Him and Hemmings are the two I'm least sure about as out-and-out guaranteed starters. Mm. And in a, in a sense, that's testament to the strength and depth we have in that position, in Finley's case. And, you know, maybe what it comes down to is how a team is going to attack that area of the pitch. And Cambridge were a side full of pretty big and physical players and when you've got a player like Digby to tackle going into that role supporting the strikers what you need is a, a bigger more solid defensive midfielder you wouldn't want Louis Thompson up one on one against Digby in that role necessarily because he's not going to be able to be as competitive in the air and that sort of thing but if it, they're attacking with smaller faster more skillful players then you're right Thompson can pick that role up as well um, and that, that frees you up to bring Freeman in, who gives that bit more solidity down the flanks. So, yeah, I think we're in a good position in terms of it's picking players who we can do it, who we know can do a decent job as best fits what's coming up against us, and allows us to keep things fresh in there as well, which is important at this point of the season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Louis Thompson. Uh, I mentioned him on Saturday's performance. I thought again last night he was excellent, but. Pierre Gianni got the official man of the match, but it was Jordan Roberts, wasn't it? What a, what a performance. Probably the best we've seen of Jordan Roberts for, feels like months, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was the sort of maestro Jordan Roberts that we've seen swashbuckling at um, fullbacks and causing them nightmares and snapping at people's heels. And 
he was lucky not to get booked like 87 minutes in. But um, <laughs> apart from that, you know, he was timing stuff really well and uh, making life really tough for any ball carrier remotely in this position for the most part. The only thing I would have liked to have seen a bit better was him and uh, repositioning themselves for Hemmings' flick-ons, which we discussed on previous episodes. There was two or three in the first half where Hemmings won a good ball, put it into a good area, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, I should have run for that. Sorry, mate. Which uh, <laughs> explains why you don't quite capitalise on your dominance as much as you should have in that half. You know what you're going to get with Jordan Roberts. It's It's... When he's at his best, it's a delight to watch. You, you're still going to get those frustrating moments in the game where you know, the ball's on his weaker foot and you're just like, okay, it's a five-yard pass, Jordan, you can make this, and, and he doesn't. Um, but ultimately, that's League One League One football for you at the end of the day, isn't it? So, but he was very much outweighed the bad. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I genuinely can't think of the last game that he played where he played as well as he did. Um, and long may that continue because we've had conversations on this podcast several times around, you know, Jordan Roberts is this new formation playing to his strengths. I mean, you wouldn't have guessed that, that we'd had those conversations with how he played last night and yeah, long, long, long may that continue. Um, and then also just a, a shout out. I, I mean, I'll admit I'm, I'm impartial to watching the occasional MLS game and every single MLS game I've ever watched Every single referee has been an absolute disgrace. They've been <laughs> shocking. I cannot say that for... Uh, I'm going to try and butch his surname now. Alex Chilowitz, who uh, was refereeing. Even after his... Which I didn't realise he was a former MLS official when he first did his little sprint with the free kick in front of the benches. And I was thinking, yeah, Jesus Christ, what clown have we got here? But he was he was unbelievable. I mean, I mean even Steve Evans gave him credit. Yeah, it was decent. I, I, he was quite lenient, which helped the game flow. It did mean that sort of the strikers got a bit of a rough deal with some like holding and stuff, but that's just League One, and it, it, it was fine. The only qualm I have with it was there's a few occasions where he waved good advantages and didn't go back and book people, and yeah. when like really cynical stuff like the, the the most obvious example is Luther beats a guy and gets pulled back like really cynically to stop the counter-attack. And it doesn't because Luther shrugs him off and shows good strength and then plays it to, I think it was the JFC right-footed chance that he swirled just right of, wide of the far post. After that's happened, you've got to go back and book the guy because he mm. cynically pulled the guy back to stop, or to try and stop and fail to stop a breakaway. And Just because you played the advantage there doesn't mean that the booking goes away. And if you don't yeah, book yeah. him, you can just carry on being that cynical. And I think... I counted like three of those for Cambridge last night. And now that's balanced up a little bit by the Jordan Roberts borderline booking, which he didn't get as well. And I'm kind of glad about that because I think the centre-back made the most of it as well. Like he went down with a triple Salco and then got shot me there. But, you know, it was a late one. He'd made two tackles the previous three seconds, which were more and more borderline on him getting there on time. And that one was a little bit late, was a foul. You couldn't really argue if he booked him for it either. No, no, it was. A, I, I was. I was quite impressed with his performance. I think you're right. There's. There's probably the that annoys me with a lot of referees. I think there's not enough referees that uh, that will pull out the card after after letting the advantage go. There was also one instance where um, I think it was. I want to say Louis Thompson was fouled. It might have been Finley Burns actually. But uh, and then the ball was kind of played forward and pretty much straight out of play. 
Um, how that's advantage, I, I, I have no idea. Don't get me wrong, yeah. shocking pass, but you, you can pull that one back for a foul as well. Um, on balance, um, top one of the top three we've had this season. Yeah, which for all that complaining, I don't understand what the drop ball was about when Pidge was on their keeper and he was trying to pick it up while Pidge was trying to kick it out wondering them. Yeah, that was that was weird. I thought he'd given a free kick and I was thinking, oh god, here we go. Keeper's getting protection as always, and then yeah, that was that was a weird situation. I was. Bit confused when the ball just got dropped at his feet, and it was like, right, play on. Um, don't know if he was just trying to be extra careful, hoping that they didn't want to keep to get injured or something because they was hacking away at him. But he never had control of the ball. No harm came of it in the end, but uh, it was just a slightly weird incident. Not the weirdest incident of the night, though. Let's come on to that. Yeah, let's talk about it, shall we? I don't know about uh, you were in the east, so you, I don't know if you had a different. Well, obviously, you had a different view to, to where I was, but um, it all kind of started at half time. I don't unless there was stuff going on prior to that. It kind of felt like at half time, which was ironic when nothing ever happens at half time. Yeah. Oh no, there was things being thrown between the between the East Terrace and the and the South Stand, um, and I think it all led from I don't know the ins and outs of it, but there was obviously somebody physically removed in the Cambridge end and that's when it all kind of kicked off it was just a bit yeah. pathetic though wasn't it I mean, <laughs> it, it was yeah no idea what sparked it all but you're right it, they were all gathering at the front east side of the south stand and it kicked off at half time and then a lot of them stayed there and there was like a line of stewards trying to do their best to keep it under control but they were well outnumbered so there's not like you can do a lot of bottles were thrown uh three smoke bombs I think during the course of the second half which didn't help Cambridge's cause in the slightest stopping their own attacks late on is frankly hilarious and then they all had to stay an extra 10 minutes after the game in the cold having lost so really that minority of fans behaving like dickheads and making everyone else look bad by um, association didn't do any of the away fans any favours and you know, some lazier podcast would tar an entire fan base with that brush, but we're better than that. Yeah, I think I'll be honest with you. I think there should be every 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 away set of away fans, regardless of how they behave, should if they've lost the game, should should be there to see Steve Evans punching uh, punching the air in front of the uh, in front of the East Terrace because that for me feels like justification for for some of their bad behavior i think there's bad there's obviously bad on both sides we all know how this works um mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk Every around fan has a minority of dickheads it's just of course it does of course it does but i think also there's been some talk on twitter around you know could the stewards have dealt with certain situations better and i, I was nowhere near that end so i had no idea how it played out but you mentioned it Throwing a smoke bomb in the 93rd minute, five minutes of injury time added. Your team are coming forward, just about bringing the ball into into the uh, opposition's half and you throw a smoke bomb on the field at that point. I mean, all you've got to do is look at Kachunga's uh, reaction to it to, uh, to really see what that was about. But I mean, I know Cambridge are having a tough time of it at the moment. Obviously, well, they lost now six in seven or something. And obviously their manager's just gone back to back to his ex um, yes. but Jesus Christ what the hell are you playing at it's ridiculous it, I'd be going uh, ballistic if that was an away game and it was a Stevenage fan throwing it on in that exact I'd be going absolutely mental I'm rightly so rightly so it's absolutely moronic yeah but it was good to see uh, Steve Evans doing a waddle at the end of the game it was um, 
That's a that's a that's a, a video that has been viewed now. I think around two point four million times. I'm sure Alfie's delighted by that. That but, was so, uh, at the time so weird, and then you look back at it like, <laughs> still weird. Yeah, it's, it's, it just gets weirder every time you watch it. But we yeah. all celebrate in our own way, so I'm kind of cool. <sighs> I, I think I don't know. Alfie's job should basically to be how much piss can we boil in this country on Twitter? Just just keep bringing that kind of content out. <laughs> and I thought I thought it peaked when he brought out was it a bugle during an interview? I was like, ah, oh, that's that's not nothing's going to beat that. And then last night happened. Yeah. I mean, fair play. It's nice to uh, have a victory like that to celebrate. It's, uh, and yeah, I don't mind a bit of over-exuberance. We needed, we needed those points, that's for sure. After um, another typical February, it's good to end it. Back in the playoff places. Unbelievably. Suck it, Oxford. Yeah. After, I mean, I won't lie, after the, probably the Bristol Rovers game, uh, my thoughts were, ah, this season will just peter out now. Peter out to probably finish like 10th. And we'll all be happy because, let's face it, no one expected it. Mm-hmm. But I was talking last night to to Chuds whilst I was in the North Stand before the game. And I know we've talked a lot about, you know, everyone calm down when things aren't going too well. Jesus Christ, like everyone expected us to be, you know, fighting relegation or, or we just should be happy to stay in League One. I see this as a massive opportunity, and I, and I think with with these last two wins and what we've got coming up, there's some tough games in the running. But I just see it as a massive, massive opportunity to go and do something that I don't know if we'd be able to do it again. I don't know what next year is going to look like from a squad perspective. I know there's going to be a load of players out of contract. I'm sure there's going to be clubs sniffing around certain players. And can you then go and rebuild it and do it all over again? I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's certainly going to be even more difficult. I just see this as a massive opportunity right now to go and not just make the playoffs, but if you can go in them as we as we as we've talked about in many times previously, if we can get to that point where we are hitting stride at the right time, could be us. You're absolutely right. Like the same applies to a season as it does to a game that you've got to capitalize on the strong periods when you can because you never know when the next strong period will come and if you can't capitalise on that then you end up stagnating and you look Mm. at the league table right with anyone below 50 points is dead to us right Lincoln City 10th 35 games 51 we'll come on to them Blackpool 35 points sorry 53 points for 35 games Leighton Orient storming up 8th 54 points from 35 games Oxford United we just overtook 57 points from 35 games. We're on 59 points from 34 in the final playoff spot. So we've got a game in hand on those three below us. Peterborough, level on points with this, but with a game in hand and better goal difference. And then a four-point gap to Barnsley, who also have a game in hand on us on 63. Bolton, third, 66 points from 34 games, level on points with Derby, who have played 35. And then Portsmouth with a Nice little seven-point cushion, 73 points for 35 games. So it's in our hands, particularly with the game in hand we've got, albeit still some tough games to play. And, you know, the the Lincoln one is important to kind of keep them at that arm's length. You're right, it's in your hands. You've got to at least make the playoffs, and then what will be will be. The playoffs are a total lottery, so... 
we've gone from a position of being on the outside looking in to being on the inside with games in hand to be able mm. to cement that position. And we've had opportunities to do that before this season and blown it with a little stutter and a poor enough form. Really now we're at the business end with, what, eight games to go? You can't afford another stutter because that stutter will be your last. So you, you've yeah. got to take this opportunity to re-establish. Absolutely. And that's got to continue with uh, with Lincoln this Saturday. So before before we talk about Lincoln... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery today. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We have a very special guest for this part of the for, of the podcast. Um, welcome, Charlie, Lincoln fan uh, from thank the is it the Stacy West Pod? Is that where you're from? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for having me, guys. No, good, good to uh, good to meet you, and great to to have you on. Really appreciate it. Um, so, just for for any Steamish fans, tell us a bit about yourself, Charlie. Uh, how long you've been a Lincoln fan? Um, it's a bit more about you and maybe a little bit about your pod too yeah so um, I I mean I've been a Lincoln fan for as long as I can remember um, first game was 2011 uh, Stockport at home on a Friday night I remember it very very well one all draw um, and you know like many others it hooked me in from the get go uh, and you know I kind of went a little bit sort of intermittently between sort of uh, 11 and sort of 16, sort of 2011 to 2016. Uh, and then, I mean, recently going a lot more often, I'm saying to, to Pat, only missed sort of a couple of games, only a small handful of games within sort of the past two and a half, three seasons, home and away, love it. Absolutely. Ironically enough, the first game that I'd missed in about two seasons was the away game at Stevenage this season. Oh, uh, I, was, I, was, I was away for that one, I know. And do you know what? It's a stadium I'm not done yet either, so it was one that I could have ticked off. So I was a little bit disappointed in myself on that. Poor planning on my part, obviously. Um, if, but, you come, if we meet you next season, you come down and get your beer at appearance fee. That, that certainly works for me. That certainly works for me. Never had a better offer than that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no. And and obviously our podcast, like you say, the Stacey West podcast, um, we've been going for sort of five or six years um, as, as a podcast. There's, we've also got kind of a written blog site as well, stacywest.net. Uh, and yeah, to be fair, like there's, there's four of us on there myself uh, Gary who's the founder and, and Ben who was on there from the start as well and then Chris me and Chris only well, I only joined literally I was saying to Pat today is my one year anniversary actually um ironically enough this very this very date and then Chris has been on just over like a year and a half as well I think if I'm not mistaken actually we just we just love it sat down shooting the about the football, you know, it's, can't beat it. You can you? swear on here, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. You've <laughs> well, clearly never, listen, like, no. never listened to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. We swear all the time. They would have dropped a C bomb by now. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. See, let's let's talk about Lincoln. I mean, uh, it's been a, a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde season. I think it's fair to say, but in recent weeks of riding high in the form table. Bit of an outside shot of a playoff place. How, how are you uh, feeling? Tell us how it's been going for you in, in recent weeks. 
It really has been a, a very odd season. Um, hopes were massively high the first month because we, we did, you know, we kicked off really well. I mean, I say that we lost three 0 away to Bolton on the uh, opening day of the season, but you know, obviously Bolton were where they are in the league at the minute. Um, that wasn't really too much of a sort of ashamed to lose that game. And then we got some really good home victories, a couple of back-to-back 3-0 home victories. We had a 1-0 win away at Shrewsbury that month, a 2 all draw away at Northampton, where we conceded a 97th or 98th minute equaliser. That was obviously back when the uh, fourth officials were adding on every minute they could possibly think of, rather than... Yeah, that, uh, that, 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 that didn't last long, did it? <laughs> it didn't. It didn't at all, did it? They, uh, they obviously realised that they needed to get home for their dinners as well. So they have obviously scrapped that one. But... Yeah, we, we had a really good start to the season. And then, unfortunately, it kind of ended a little bit going into September because some of our key players started getting injured. We effectively had a strike injury crisis where deadline day had finished. It was it was an absolute pure irony where Lincoln fans for the first deadline day and the first sort of transfer window in however long I can remember weren't begging for another striker. Because we were really comfortable with our kind of striking positions. Uh, we had three strikers. Jack Vale, who we brought in on deadline day on loan. We knew he wasn't going to be fit until sort of the end of September, start of October. Uh, but it was like, well, that's fine with that because we've got Ben House and Tyler Walker. Then both Ben House and Tyler Walker both got injured like basically immediately after deadline day. Ben House only came back at the start of February and Tyler Walker's out for the rest of the season. So... <laughs> we were suddenly thrust into this horrendous kind of position in terms of injuries, but we still managed to get pick up a few decent results. You know, a 2-0 win at home to Cheltenham. Obviously, that's not exactly too amazing. That was uh, one in sort of September. Uh, we also only lost 1-0 at home to West Ham in the League Cup at t- towards the end of September as well. That was a pretty special uh, night under the lights at Sintel Bank. And October then came. We again had a couple of decent results, but a couple of reasonably poor results. The big problem was, well, obviously, we ended up sacking our manager in Mark Kennedy, but that was less just because of results. A lot of that was also because of we, our model, we very much want to go sort of heavy player development. And his play style was very kind of defensive, which is fine. It could win your games, of course, but we didn't really feel like us and him were both going in the same direction. So we decided to part ways. We then had a month basically with an interim manager in charge, uh, Tom Shaw, who's now gone to our assistant. And Michael Skibala then came in middle of November. We started picking up a few results. Um, His first match in charge of Lincoln was actually the away game down at you guys. Mm. Obviously, you, uh, you, you did beat us that game. But then we went to sort of a four or five game unbeaten streak, but a lot of draws in there. Then December was a very, very difficult month because some of the injuries again started to sort of compound. New Year's Day, we were away at Blackpool. At one point during the match, we had 11 players out injured. And I'm not the sort of person that will ever use excuses or anything like that to kind of rubbish a season and say, oh, well, it's not our fault. But I'm happy to use an explanation. It's like, it's an explanation as to why we weren't really playing amazingly. It's a shame, of course, but it's there's a reason why and we sort of had the optimism look when we start getting players back we knew that a lot of players were starting to come back fit in January we also knew obviously the transfer window was going to be open so we thought from January we'll be reasonably happy we then had a two week break after New Year's Day to before we played Wickham away we got a draw in that game and we have not lost a game since we've got five wins uh, sort of out of our last six matches 
we're on top of the or yeah, I think we're top of the form table at the minute. If you look at over the last six games specifically, um, I mean, Michael Scubala should get manager of the month in February, if you ask me, just based on the results. Um, we're playing some absolutely fantastic football. The thumping that Shrewsbury got last night could have quite easily been, been five or six. And honestly, like if you're with playoffs, we are now in the conversation. Do I think we're going to get it? I still think it might be a little bit too far, but it's not going to stop me from dreaming. We've got 11 matches left. Realistically, we need eight wins. But we've got you guys coming up. If we beat you, you guys obviously currently sat in sixth. We beat you guys this weekend. Suddenly that gap from eight points to five points. We've also got Oxford coming up in a few weeks. Time. Bearing in mind, Oxford also play Portsmouth this weekend. You've got, I believe you guys still have to play Oxford at some point as well. We've got Leighton Orient at home who are just above us. So we're kind of in that position where it's in our hands. We're playing some really, really great football. Honestly, I'm struggling to see where the next loss is coming from. And that may be really reactionary and really arrogant. I I appreciate (laughs) that. But I just, the way we're playing at the minute, it just seems like every game we're finding a new level. Uh, So, yeah. A little bit of a, run, a short rundown of the season, but I'm, I'm quite happy with where we are. It's good, it's good. And it's nice when you get in that position to be the kind of outside smoker side who might hit the playoffs right at the end with the momentum, because we saw that, I think, in Stevenage's first promotion to League One, how that mm. can really bore you into it. So you want to keep that hope alive as long as you can and hope it doesn't turn to uh, hubris when you get a little bit ahead of yourself. Um, so talk to us about how... Life under Scabal has turned the team around a bit and how Lincoln like to attack teams and what we should be So, as I sort of mentioned, Mark Kennedy at the start of the season and, and to be fair, through last season, and don't get me wrong, Mark Kennedy did a decent job last season getting us up to 11th place with a zero goal difference. I was happy with that. This season, I just simply wanted to better that, getting the top 10. And, and I, I hoped that he could do that. But if you looked at our... Even when we were winning in the, at the end of August and we were up, I think, at one point on the September 2nd, Bristol Rovers away, at one point during that game, for 30 seconds, we were top of the league, right? Yes, OK, I, I was looking down at my, at my phone, sort of <laughs> sat in there, well, stood on the terrace at the Memorial. But, yeah. But the problem was, I was actually, I, I was never really that enamoured by the way we were playing because... We were still quite defensive. It sounds weird because we won two games in that month 3-0. But if you looked at our attacking metrics, they were pretty poor. Like and then it got to middle of October. The game just after, well, just before he got let go, the end of uh, middle of October against Burton, we looked at our attacking metrics and we were basically bottom in so many areas. Fantastic for XG against and goals against and all of this, but our our attacking metrics we were terrible and you could tell as well we were not getting the ball forward enough Michael Scubala came in and obviously that was the biggest thing he wanted to change and I think yesterday against Shrewsbury was the best kind of example we were playing some really fast flowing high pressing football I mean Shrewsbury could hardly pass the ball out of their own half considering how high our our sort of press was on, uh, on last night's game and it was really good to see. And when we won the ball back, it wasn't a, all right, look, we're just going to sort of pussyfoot around with it. We're going to be moving it forward. Even if we're then moving it back, we're always moving it back to then go across to then try the other flank. 
and then also trying to play the ball through the middle is something that I think a lot of teams don't do in this league, but it's something that we've managed to utilise a little bit recently. Simply just trying to pass through the central thirds because a lot of the time players want to go out wide. We've got some fantastic wide players, but I think there's, there's part of it where it's like there's no real point giving the ball to a player out wide 60 yards out. Play them a through ball, that's fine. And that's think some of the things that we're starting to do. We're trying to find those spaces. We're playing those quick, intricate, small, short passes when we're in the middle of the area. When we're sort of in that kind of central line. But then we are playing those slightly longer balls and diagonal balls further out wide to then be able to get the ball back into the box. So I think it's one of those. If you want to beat us, first of all, don't try and play out from the back. Um, Not a problem. Oh, I, I'm aware. I am very. I, don't worry. I am very much aware. So this is why I thought this that sort of sentence might be quite pleasing for you guys. Uh, don't try and play it out the back because our high press will catch you out with the legs that we've got up front and sort of in our wide areas. But then also watch for those short little flick-ons. Be careful of the runners that maybe aren't being tracked when we're trying to move forward. That's what could very much hurt you. We don't score money from set pieces. Okay, we did score one on Tuesday night, but that was a little bit rare. It's it's not that common that we do. But we've got little shits up front that could really, um, that you know, can really sort of damage you by just the constant running. And you'll you'll think your, your defenders will think they've got five seconds spare. It's fine. Suddenly they're on you. So it's those little things in terms of winning the ball back, and then like I said, trying to just move the ball quickly through the thirds will be what we're trying to do I think no, good stuff and you mentioned uh, you, you kind of know what to expect with Stevenage what were you expecting back in the pre-season obviously Stevenage just promoted what were you mm-hmm. expecting uh, from, from a Stevenage team and, and, and how do you think we've done compared to your original thoughts in pre-season it's weird because I contradicted myself in pre-season because start the season well early pre-season I was half expecting that you guys would be strugglers, thinking that you'd maybe potentially even be in a relegation zone at some point for for a lot of the season. Um, Who knows, maybe even at the end of the season. Then pre-season kept on going. Then I started looking at you guys a little bit more closely, as I did with most of the other teams. And I realised, bloody hell, you've actually assembled a proper good little League One squad here. And then I'm thinking... Steve Evans in charge as much as he is and I won't drop the C bomb out but if if I was going to do it at any point in the in this it would obviously be talking about Steve Evans um but as much as people loathe him he is a good manager at this level and he can get he can get something out of a team of reasonable experience in league 1 and a team of solid players that can do stuff both on and off the ball and battlers, which and I, I thought you'd built a team that was going to be pretty perfect for for the manager that you had as well. Um, don't get me wrong, nowhere near expecting you to be in a playoff fight, but I thought you'd be comfortably mid-table. Lower mid-table maybe, but you wouldn't be looking over your shoulder after the Easter weekend. It was sort of where I was going to put you. Obviously, you guys are very much overachieved where I think most people would have put you guys. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, commendable that you have well it would be commendable if it wasn't for that twat (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting to hear you say that because it's hard to have a objective look at it from the inside out and like I did the 
pre-season kind of league one guess with Nate. Mm. We had us about 11th, I think, and we weren't sure mm-hmm. whether that was just us being over-optimistic about the chances and more confident because we know Stephen is better than we know anyone else. But it's interesting to hear that you had us in a similar place when you were... Uh, finally sat down and look at it and you're right we're, we're overachieving everyone's expectations apart from possibly Evans and the guys he's brainwashed in the squad so we'll uh, see where that goes going forwards um you mentioned Tyler Walker earlier on which reminded me that of his little spell at Stevenage and uh, I was thinking when we knew you were coming on like there's been a few players that have Played for both over the years. I think he plays like Bostwick and Tom Pett, uh, Andrade had a spell there, and Paul Farman. Who's your favourite Lincoln player who had a spell at Stevenage? Oh, you see, the problem is, is that what you've just done there is named some of the best players in terms of some of our recent sort of successes. And now <laughs> you're trying to ask me to pick one of my favourites. Look, Bozzy is, is, was... An absolute warrior, um, an absolutely incredible man, somebody who you just wanted to have in your team week in, week out. He always knew his role, he always knew his job, and he always did it to the best ability possible. So Bozzy's obviously got to be up there. Paul Farman, what a keeper, what a man as well. Uh, So pleasing to see him doing well at the minute up in Barrow. Um, Jamie McComb, who brings me one of my favourite... Danny Cowley memories because you guys I'm sure at some point will have seen Sean Raggett's goal against Burnley the FA Cup you know yeah. to get us to the quarterfinals whilst we're still a non-league side and all that the best part of when you watch that video for me and it might sound really really sad because obviously I want to celebrate the goal but the best part of that for me is when I watch that back as soon as the camera cuts to Danny Cowley, he's celebrated for like a half a second and staff are trying to jump in the back. He's getting them off. He's immediately turning around, running to Jamie McComb, saying, strip off, you're getting on. So we're bringing <laughs> on another defender. And it, obviously that sort of, it just emphasised how incredible he was at game management as, as a manager, obviously both him and his brother. Um, but Bruno Andrade has also given me one of the best moments as a Lincoln fan, away at MK Dons to effectively win us the League Two title when he scored that goal out there as well. So, uh, oh, I've just given you basically the whole list that you've just given me. <laughs> um, so, you don't mind that at all. Do you know what? There's, I'm going to go with... Paul Farr, Michael Boss. We're gonna go. We're, we'll go Bossy. Just literally, just because you've just yeah, you've you've made me pick between some of the greatest. I think I think we'd probably agree with you on Bossy. I'm mm. so relieved you haven't, you didn't say Bruno because Bruno's not. I don't think quite has the same opinion uh, of of Bruno as Stevenish fans to Lincoln fans. Yeah. I know he he definitely did more with you than he he did ever with us, but. Uh, Bruno's best 10 minutes for his first 10 minutes of Stephen. Yeah. I mean, I think don't worry, we've had many players like that. Yeah, he's still doing step overs for Kettering now. So it's, uh, <laughs> but no, it's, um, look, it's been great to have you on, Charlie. Really appreciate it. Before you go, I've got one final question for you. Give me a prediction for Saturday. Uh, 2 0 home victory. Ballsy. I like it. 
There's then there's some uh, confidence in Lincoln, which is uh, not what I was thought we'd be saying a few months ago. That's for sure. Thanks so much, Charlie, for coming on. Um, for any for anyone listening who wants to follow you on Twitter, what's your uh, what's your Twitter alias? We'll get it out there. We'll uh, I'm sure you'll get a few followers off the back of this. Yeah, um, you know the the Stacy West podcast. Please go and check them out, and you'll be able to hear me and such on there. Absolutely, and we'll we'll have our sort of pre match podcast out on Thursday night as well. If you want to come and listen to our view on the run that we've been on, that Shrewsbury game I mentioned, and obviously previewing the game on Saturday. So that's Charlie's thoughts, Pat. I don't know about you. I was I was thinking we'll 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 probably draw. We might nick it. I know they're in good form. I'm actually even more nervous now than I was. He, he's he's made me think, Jesus, we're going to lose this game. He is so confident. And you would be, you know, if you're top of the form table and you've surged your way up into the top ten with an outside chance of making the playoffs, you would be. You, you and ride that wave as long as you can, right? Because we know football's a fickle beast. Um, it sounds as though the way they play their attacking football plays to our defensive strengths to an extent, which bodes well, maybe. Although the stuff you said about kind of little flick-ons to smaller, faster, um, gnat-like strikers doesn't play into Pigeon Sweeney's favour. Mm. So that's maybe a, a danger and Certainly the high press they like to play doesn't play to Sweeney's favour, but we don't know whether we'll see him in the starting lineup or not. It's a game that we can afford a point much more than they can afford a point from, mm. which maybe plays into the hands of a, a, a counter-attack inside away from home. That's my kind of hope for it. And, you know, as my prediction will be like a one-all draw, I think, on the balance of things because of the way we're playing and because of their good form and... If that's what comes to pass, I'd be very happy with it because it's a, a point away from home against a side in really good form to keep them that distance behind you now. If Oxford win, it looks a less good point, but we've just got to make sure that the game in hand is what re-establishes there. And Oxford are away at Portsmouth this weekend, so they've got a really tough one. Mm. I think it's going to be... I mean, I always thought it was going to be a tough game. Um, I didn't think we'd just walk in there and walk out with the points. But it felt like to me, with the little dip we had in February, we've come out of the end of February in, in a really, really good place. I kind of feel like we have to go and get at very least a point. You've got Fleetwood coming up after that, who uh, you know, at home you'd expect. I mean, don't like saying any game is is uh, is going to be, oh yeah, we'll win that. Um, with Stevenage at the end of the day, but you'd think that's that's definitely winnable. And then you've got a r- really tough few games: um, Peterborough, Orient, even Carlisle. I know they are pretty dire this year, but they are going to be well up for trying to shit on our season. Like yeah. they, the, the, there's a hatred there that that whilst they'll probably never admit it and they'll pretend they don't care, um, <laughs> like every other football fan in the world. Um, I'm pretty sure that they. Yeah, they, they pretty much hate us for sure. And then after that, you've got Bolton, Charlton, um, Bolton at home at Charlton away, and then Exeter away. And again, Exeter not having a great season, but never an easy place to go to. So it kind of feels like, whilst I take a point, there's a lot of tough games coming up, and we know we'll win a few of them. We'll probably lose a few of them, but it's one of those ones for me. I mean, Steve Evans is never going to take a team there to go and to go for a point. It's not it's not Derby away where it was quite clear that was the the assignment was go and get a point. I don't think he'll play it the same way. I think we'll see how the game goes. 
I think Joe Taylor for them since he's joined from I think Luton has been incredible, um, and that's made it. I think our, our our chance is arguably more difficult, but we'll have to see how that game goes. But yeah, I must admit, I'm. I mean, they seem very very confident, which I get. They're top of the form table. They probably should be, um, but I think they they are to cut that gap to five points if they win that game on Saturday. They're, they're, they're going to be a, a nuisance and we've got enough of them around us at the moment with Blackpool and Leighton Orient um, yeah. and Oxford as well. So, yeah, you want to try and keep that gap to eight points and and, and kind of hopefully kill their hopes even by winning it. Yeah, it's because it's, it's not so much the points for Lincoln that's the big problem. It's the number of teams who have picked up a lot of points that are between them and the playoffs. Like you've managed, you've got to manage to leave you away plus Blackpool and Orient and Oxford and one of the four teams in the playoffs in the last, what have they got left? Eight games? No. Yeah. Yes, it's 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 tough. It's tough for them. Seven games. So, I guess we'll we'll see where that goes as it goes, and uh, keep our eyes out elsewhere for the uh, interesting fixtures that are coming up this weekend. So, Portsmouth Oxford United, as we talked about, is probably the most mouthwatering one of the Mm. weekend in League One. Um, But the most important one for us might be Peterborough against Exeter City because we're level on points with them with a game fewer played. We know Peterborough are a good, strong side, but they're also quite uh, mercurial and sometimes they can drop an absolute clanger like they did losing 5-2 the other day against Wickham, who we saw looking like they couldn't score in the month of Sunday. So... If we can lever our way ahead of them and we're playing them soon, that's massive in terms of giving us that extra cushion to the likes of Oxford and Leighton Orient and Lincoln below us. So, yeah, yeah, I think I'm too busy looking below than looking above at the moment. (laughs) I don't think I've quite got the confidence to be like, I'm looking at what Peter are doing. I'm 100% looking at Blackpool, Leighton Orient, Oxford, and obviously this Saturday it will be Lincoln too. But it will be. the other mouthwatering game coming up is Bolton Barnsley on Tuesday night, but yes. third versus fourth is massive, but it's a seven point gap to us and a four point gap to us. So it's not as impactful. Oh, I don't like the word impactful. That's come from management speak. It's not <laughs> as important to us as the Peter result and as the um Oxford result on the weekend. Yeah. So, uh, I mean Peter of um Peter have got Northampton, I think, on Tuesday as well, which is as much as you'd expect them to probably to win that. It's Peter at the end of the day, you know, they can go and, and lose to anybody. Um, yeah. And it's a bit of a local derby, right? I say local, localish derby. Uh, there'll be a few de- few Northampton fans heading over for that one, I'm sure. So it'll be, I don't think that's going to be an easy game, like it hasn't been for us in the last couple, because as much as on paper, Wickham and Cambridge are two games that we said we needed six points and we got six points, you know, when you're playing localish teams, big crowds, it's it's just one of those things that can easily go the other way. So be interesting to see how, how that one plays out. Um, before the end, should we uh, should we do the news, Pat? Yeah, let's have a bit of League One news. So we touched on it earlier that the Cambridge United managerial situation has been thrown into turmoil with Neil Harris going back to Millwall. They've confirmed Sheffield Wednesday old boy Barry Corr in temporary charge while they search for a uh, full-time replacement. And judging by what we saw on Tuesday night, that can't happen soon enough for them. They weren't dreadful, but they obviously need that little bit of a stronger steer to get more than a good 20 minutes out of that team. 
Um, Bolton have had their club captain's red card overturned. Ricardo Santos no longer has a two-match ban, which will help them in their running towards the end of the season. That's uh, pretty massive for them. There was a... Well, I've, I've read the descriptions melee and fracas at the end <laughs> of Wigan-Bolton. Well, not the end, after the after the winning goal in Wigan versus Bolton. And manager Ian Everett said, it's just not acceptable to celebrate a goal in front of our supporters. Celebrate with your own fans. And the most hilarious thing about his grumpy tirade after the game was, oh, yeah, you shouldn't be celebrating when you're in mid-table anyway. It's like, Ian... They scored a goal to beat a team in the 70th minute. You're suggesting they wouldn't celebrate a goal when they've taken the lead. Pipe down, mate. I, thought the, I really thought the celebration police was just Premier League and Sky. Didn't realise it came down to League One now as well. Jesus Evidently Christ. not. And I, I get fans giving players pelters to come in and celebrate in front of them, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't expect anything less from the East Terrace if someone could celebrate right in front of them. But... I wouldn't expect the Stevenage players to be piling in and starting a fucking ruckus. I wouldn't expect my manager to be pissy about it after the game either. That is weak. Mm, it's, pretty, it's pretty poor. It's pretty uh, poor. Final thing on the news agenda is more bad news for Reading fans, unfortunately. They've been handed a two-point deduction on top of what they've already had deducted this season with... A further two points suspended because they they have failed to pay an HMRC bill, and they've also handed the owner um, a hundred thousand pound fine, which has two further hundred thousand pound fines suspended on top of it. Should he fail to pay within like twenty five and thirty one days or something, and when you're fining a guy for failing to pay stuff, there's a certain amount of uh, irony there. <laughs> So Reading dropping the table a couple of places. They drop closer to the drop zone. Too many drops. And, uh, yeah, if they lose another two points, that takes them only a point ahead of Cheltenham. And they've played two more games in Cheltenham and Port Vale, so they could be just in so much jeopardy. It's, uh, yeah, a really sad state of affairs. And I saw their supporters group as part of this, saying, oh, you know, it's really unfair that you're handing out punishments that penalise the fans when it's something that the chairman's doing that we don't have any control over. It's not the fans' fault that this is happening. I was like, yeah, but if you don't punish it, you're letting them spend money they haven't got. Yeah. And every other fan of every other is being punished for it, right? And mm. it's not our fault that you've got yourself in the position that you've got to, and you shouldn't gain a benefit from that. So... Yeah. So I've got I've got a really strong view on on finances in football and like there's obviously been big clubs you think Berry obviously did go out of business Bolton were eight minutes away from going out of business or whatever it was and you hear loads and loads of people that sit there at the time being like oh, Bolton are too big to go out of business like they're too big of a club and I just look at it in the other way where I think these are all businesses. Yeah. And no business is, is is too big to go out of business if if they're not running in in an efficient manner. And I know that football clubs are it's a different you know, if this was Steve Nish and we had an owner, I'd like to think that, you know, we would never go go under. But the reality is at some point in the next hundred years, 
every club's going through this type of thing. And we've been incredibly fortunate with Phil Wallace, and I've said this for years, is as much as there's certain things with Stevenage Football Club that I will criticise and moan about and sit there and be like, yeah, we are a bit tin pot in certain things. I, would, I can never criticise Phil Wallace because he is he's always stood by his word in, in keeping this football club sustainable. But even when, they're not, even when they weren't sustainable and we were losing money, you know, we were never losing crazy, crazy amounts of money. It was never hair um, was it? No. It, we're not woken. We're not losing 1.2 million in a year like fucking woken are. Like, what That's the? Right. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a real disconnect when you look look at what uh, Chance Fry was saying Wednesday. He was lobbying to have the maximum amount a club can use per year extended in the championship. And what that yeah. says to the supporters of the team is just chalk and cheese with Phil running it in just such a sensible fashion. And yeah. what Reading seemed to have done is committed to pay wages that they ended up not being able to afford. And as part of that commitment, you have a commitment to pay the tax associated with those wages, which even though they've tidied it up and managed to pay the wages consistently since the first lot of sanctions, you can't afford to miss those payments either. That's your commitment as a business when you commit to those payments to your staff, right? And yeah. you're right, that that's no different to any other business in terms of football. So you've just got to um, make sure that you can achieve that. And I do... Sorry, I was going to say I do love the fact the EFL have, have find him, have find the Reading owner, like it's a fucking parking ticket. Yeah, <laughs> pay it within thirty-one days, and it will be reduced to hundred thousand. If you don't pay it, it's another two hundred thousand. It's ridiculous. Like it is, it's mad, and uh, yeah, you wouldn't wish it on any fan base because they're right. No, 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 you no don't no, have control over what your owner does, but from the holistic view of it, and that's the view the FA have to take. You can't allow clubs to get away with that sort of overstretching because if you do they gain an advantage from doing something that is poor practice and poor for the rest of the league so you have to be strong on it I think and take the short-term pain for longer-term gain for the rest of the sport yeah as much as Phil Wallace has kept this football club rolling I mean he also did bankrupt Macclesfield don't forget um so yeah, he's not. He's not always uh, not always keeping football clubs alive. Clearly, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, for sure. I think that's it. Is there anything else, Pat? Nothing we've covered else everything. on uh, my list or on Nate's thorough agenda. Yeah, you can tell this is incredibly scripted. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, hopefully, we'll be back next week with three more points and rolling into a home game against Fleetwood with our tails up but we'll see we'll see how it goes thanks Pat thanks for coming on as always pleasure to chat as always mate we'll uh, catch up next week up the borough woo there goes the final whistle and Steve Richard sealed promotion and in style here at the Lamex Stadium and on Sorry about that, mate. Slight pause while I ran for a tissue and another sneezing fit in the room. Don't worry about it, mate. It's all good. I've made a note of the time anyway, so you can uh, you can nicely snip this out. Appreciate that. Um, You'll stick it on as a cold close the git. Well, I wasn't gonna, but uh, you know, if you're gonna call me a git, then <laughs> fucking too right and all. Have tissues ready, mate. Come on. Yes. <laughs>
What do you reckon the player's favourite McDonald's is? Sweeney screams fillet of fish to me. I can see that. I reckon TVC loves a McFlurry because they're smooth as silk like his first touch. Do you reckon Macca loves a Macca's? I mean, obviously. Just look at his cheeky face. And Revs definitely takes down a McNuggets share box on his bill. You want to watch what you say about our team's nutritionist? Order McDelivery now from the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.